Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I give up. I absolutely, unequivocally give up. I-G-I-V-E-U-P. It rhymes, but not because I intended for it to. It's just because I'm just that kind of grandbaby. I give up. I give up living in this world that appears to look like you are the author and the finisher of your blessings, that you and your efforts equate some kind of way to you yielding blessings and fruit of that nature. I give up trying to toil my way from blessing to blessing. I give up trying to network my way to what God already had for me anyway. I give up trying to, in a for lack of a better term, prostitute my purpose in order to see the blessing that I feel it should generate. I absolutely give up. I give up trying to say that I believe and trust in God while I'm in a passenger seat, low key with my hand over the will of my life. Me acknowledging that God has never ever failed anyone that the Bible literally says that I have not seen the righteous forsaken. And so there's so many different things that I'm like, yo, you know what? This Egyptian mindset, this Eden mindset, I absolutely give up. I had to go ahead and question myself. I said, do you understand that uh, thinking in a certain way about God and what you may or may not have is not something that is this century. <laughs> this has been something that has been going on since Eden. When I thought back to the Bible and I was like, yo, do I don't even think we realize it. And, and I kind of stumbled upon this. I said the first sin was that the woman was pers- was persuaded to believe That something that she desired, God didn't want her to have. And I said, yo, time out. When I was reading the Bible, I said, okay, she's having conversation with the serpent. And that was the only time that a descriptor was added to the Bible. You do not see anywhere in Genesis that anyone else used a descriptor for the things that were occurring outside of God. He was creating some things and he was like, "Mm, this is good. But outside of that, no one else added anything else to the chat outside of good. If you want to describe something and it was not bad, it was good. That's just how you're going to do it. But when the serpent was talking to Eve in the Garden of Eden, The Bible says that she looked at the tree from what she was not supposed to eat from, realized that the fruit was beautiful and she wanted to be like God. She realized that the fruit was beautiful and she wanted to be like God. So the first sin, the first thing that messed this whole situation up Is that instead of looking at what God already gave her and saying, man, this particular, you created this whole thing just for us. Like we can go over there. We got, we got trees over there. We got fruit over there. Hey, what's that? And exploring with your husband areas that you haven't explored with him yet. Physically, spiritually, 
physically, you know, all the things like there could really have been, it could have been such a different world, but instead of exploring and having gratitude and just peeling back the layers of all the different things, ma'am, did you, did you ask Adam, like real talk, what made you name him platypus? Like, where did that name come from? Like, were you in any kind of commune with your husband no because instead of looking at all the different things that God gave you all the different ways he was going to go ahead and blow your mind like oh my gosh that particular bird talks it wants a cracker <laughs> like that's amazing instead of being amazed by what God already put at your disposal you looked at what God said ah for your benefit I don't want you to have this and you looked at it like God was withholding something that could actually be beautiful, beautiful, but there was a boundary on it. Beautiful, but it was forbidden. Beautiful, but when you enter that kind of beauty into the chat, it actually equates to sin. How many times you looked at a man and was like, mm. <laughs> and what you did not know is on top of that attraction underneath that soul was a whole different set of soul ties that was going to take you months to get it washed off of you. Maybe even years. Hmm. How many times you saw a beautiful car or tangible item and that thing messed your credit up to this day, to this day. <laughs> you still trying to pay off some of that stuff. How many times did you thought it was a good idea to go to school for that particular thing? How many times have you racked up something that has left an impressional dent on your life? Because initially what you saw was something with your eyes and you had no idea what it was going to do to the rest of your life. I said, I wish that Eve didn't look at that fruit and put a name on it that God didn't assign to it. Maybe if she would have looked at the fruit and said, mm, it's bitter. <laughs> Maybe the descriptor that she could have gave it could have been something that was like, I acknowledge that it's cute, but I also acknowledge that it's forbidden. I acknowledge it's the attractiveness to the eye, but God said that I would die. So rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I don't want a spiritual death because I have a taste for it. Yeah, I wish she would have gave you. You can live in truth. If the fruit is beautiful, Eve, the fruit is beautiful. But also add what God said to the chat. Also say, no, <laughs> never just a big button to smile. I get it. Yeah, she thick. But you know what? She's also not my wife. No, I get it. You know what? That's a lot of money. I ain't going to hold you. But I also read in Proverbs that it says, uh, get rich money schemes don't last for long. Yeah, like, don't just... Don't just stop at the like, oh, one descriptor. No, don't put a period there. Add a comma because you need to add truth to that statement. You know what? Yeah, they do make a lot of money in that position, in that company, comma. But it's also very stressful and I don't want to have to choose between working extra time or going home and spending time with the people that I love, period. Yeah, finish the sentence. That was E's fault. She didn't finish the sentence. And because she didn't finish the sentence, it ended something prematurely that she was supposed to be in. It was supposed to be her paradise. I give up. I give up trying to call things beautiful that God called never to enter my life. 
I give up trying to make things come into fruition that God is like, if you would just trust that this door is remaining closed for a reason, I want to trust that if I look at something, I'm like, does anything good come from Nazareth that I trust God enough to be like, well, if you say so kind of thing and just kind of go along with that, I give up. I give up trying to birth things that God is like, I didn't impregnate you with that. That's not the idea that I gave you. That's not the mission that I gave you. That's not the calling that is on your life. Stop adopting other people's ways of thinking. Stop adopting other people's ways of speaking. I told you in Romans, do not conform of this world. And so I need you to be you in all areas that I send you. Because if I send you and you're not there, then it's lacking you. And it's almost like you became everybody else. What was the sense of you going there? There's an impression on you, a spiritual just awakening on you. There are certain things that are on you that God is like, I already know the recipe for where I'm sending you. It's missing you. Please do not conform and not be you. He has tasted the recipe of what's happening at that particular company and what's happening in that bloodline and what's happening in that man's life, what's happening in that woman's life, what's happening in that juncture and region of the world. He's already seen the recipe. He's tasted it. And he said, you know what is missing? Ah, my anointed one. And he is literally depending on you to follow through with the mission to remain you because the time that you get there, the recipe will be complete. But what good is it if salt loses his flavor? What good is it is if you went there and now you just as bland as all get out. You don't understand that there's a race for you to get somewhere that the world and the experiences and the things that the enemy aligns to try to go ahead and divert is literally all aligned to how, um, how much of you can I chisel off of you so that when you arrive, you're not even you anymore. How many relationships do I got to put you in that's insufficient? How many jobs do I have to put you in that makes you feel undervalued? How many things, financial things and hardships do I need to put you in? How many health implications do I need to put in? How many things do I need to put on you, around you, so that God can never work through you? That is when you really need to say, okay, I think I'm starting to see the little bit of the controversy here. I understand that God is trying to do something through me and the enemy is trying to throw me off of my game. Do you know, not the muffin man, don't say that. Do you know what the litmus test is to you know what God? It's something bigger on the other side. That there is a fight in that area. I mean, why out of all the things in the world did the serpent in the garden take the time to be like, I have got to change E's perspective on this particular fruit because he knew if he can get her to fall, humanity is done. It was that much banking on this woman's perspective. It was that much banking on Moses to free the Israelites at one point that earlier on there was a, a law put out to try to get all the Hebrew boys that were born during that time to be thrown in the Nile River. 
how much of an anointing and calling is on a person's life that very early on there is all this controversy and hurdles and everything else that you're like, yo, what is it about your calling? What is it about what God has put on you? What is it about God's perfected will for your life that is so impactful for the future generations to come that it is literally this fight to get you to get off of your tracks? Like, what is it? Something about that has to raise your eyebrow to go, yo, real talk, <laughs> there's something in this. And what I have started to learn is I'm not going to get between grown folks conversations, right? My grandmother taught me that. I'm, I got the, the, the hits to prove it that still reign true to this day. I don't even look adults in their face when they're talking. I'm on my business. <laughs> Just to my grandmother said, ma'am. Okay, when two adults is talking, you mind your business. And so that's what I'm going to do until the wheels fall off. You understand? And so what I have noticed is there is a power in minding your business. There is a power in absolutely releasing and relinquishing control over a certain area of your life. I'll tell you where this comes from. I have taken a personality test, and I'm always going to bring this up because I think it's one of the greatest inventions in the whole entire world to get to know you in such a defined way that you can actually see yourself on paper and go, oh my gosh, this is me. And not only do you say, oh my goodness, this is me, you can then see, okay, so how do I plant me for the most efficiency for this life that God gave me? I truly believe that the more that you unpack yourself, and the better you plant yourself, the more fruit you'll see. And what I have learned about myself is, number one, uh, I am a INFJ in the Myers uh, personality, 16 traits, da 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 whatever. I am 2% rare because I'm an INFJ woman. There's a whole bunch of awesome things about me. However, comma, I am a high achiever. I feel my best when I'm gunning for something, actually having something to work toward, and I see results. I am results-oriented. And what I have noticed lately is that uh, that is also the one thing that makes me feel off. I can track through my life and see that I strategically add progressive things around me. I started off with one plant. I was like, let's just see. Saw that I was good at it. Now I got 90, 50 million on it. <laughs> it's like there is something, but there's something therapeutic about plants anyway. So I'm not going to let nobody talk down about the grandbaby that I became. So have a nice day. But there is something about self-development, watching certain growth patterns, saying, hmm, think, thinking a little bit deeper, that just resonates with me on a whole nother level. But the one thing that I have to be careful about knowing myself both on paper and personally is that when I don't see results, I don't like how it makes me feel. There is a lack of joy. There's a lack of peace. And I don't like to be absent of anything that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I literally was watching something. There was an interview and Tabitha Brown was on there. And the woman was 
that was interviewing her asked her like, man, do you have something that you can say? Cause you're just doing so much. And so she was listing all her accolades and said, you know, like, how do you, what do you tell somebody, you know, that's going through with just a time that they were giving up hope and blah, blah, blah. And she said where she was at, at that current time, which was, she was still experiencing a whole bunch of overflow. And that's what she said. She termed it as she was living in the overflow. And what she said was she could have never imagined or dreamt as big as what she was currently living in. And that when she finally made the decision to trust God with her life, her life changed. Now I've heard her in other interviews say that, you know, because people were like, man, you're overnight success. And she was like, overnight success. It took 20 years to do this because she initially wanted to be an actress. And for, I heard that before. But for whatever the reason, when I heard the interview this time, I said, what if it took 20 years for her to finally give up control and let God just do what he did, what he does. And so I was like, because she said she never wanted to do videos. She never wanted to do anything but food. And the very things that she was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Those were the very doors that God was opening up with her. And then she went on to say that if she would have just kept gunning to be an actress, that she would have actually be, been limiting God opening up doors and giving her overflow. So when I hear certain things and it resonates with me, I do a self a humble, I do a check because I want to make sure I have a humble assessment of self. So I was like, one, uh, ma'am. And then I was said to myself, yes. I said, are you depending on God to do something one way? And that's the only way that you're, you're willing to accept your blessing. I said, absolutely not. I'll change a job in a minute. I'll change a career path in a minute. I'll go ahead and move where you want me to move. I'll go ahead and go where you want me to go. And I'm so serious about my thing, that thing. And, and my track record speaks for itself in that area. I said, okay. So I put a check mark next to that because I wanted to make sure I wasn't being that kind of grandbaby. Second thing was, uh, have you gotten to the point that you feel like you are living in the overflow? I said, no. Okay. Circle that one. Do you think that you are not experiencing overflow because of the fact that you have not given yourself completely to God in however that looks? And that's the question. I was like, time out. Give me more. I said, uh, you're frustrated right now. And I'm letting you in the conversation. This is real talk. I was like, I am. Why? Because the work that I'm putting in is not equating to the results that I'm getting. I am an ex I'm expecting that when I put my my, my excellence and my all into something that the fruit will yield that if I work hard at the job and then I apply for the promotion or I ask for the raise, I expect that because I've worked, I've done all the things. So the fruit is there. So why, why, why are you not matching the fruit? Why are you not matching the efforts? Why is the results not matching? Why is the output not matching the input? And that's when it gets kind of shaky for me. So then I went the extra mile and I asked myself, uh, have you given up yet? And that was twofold for me because I'm going to go ahead and tell you how I'm wired. I'm not built to stay down. 
I'm just not. That's not even to be cocky, anything. I do not have, and I think it has something to do with the fact that the gift that God gave me is the gift of encouragement. So I think that it almost would be oxymoronic that if I can encourage other people, but I can't encourage myself or I can't uplift myself in some kind of way, even if it's not with words, I know how to bring myself back to like, I <laughs> put your Tim's on here, New York. Okay, let's get it together. Put your hat on backwards. Go ahead and put the tar underneath your eyes. No, we're not playing football, but we getting up out of here. Yeah, the pit is not anywhere for anyone to start decorating. I'm not interested. This is not the square footage I signed up for. And I would talk myself out of a let's go. I'm you shut it up get in the car and I'll go ahead and get in the car because I said so <laughs> like that's just how that's gonna work for me but I don't know how to stay down so it's not a part of my DNA not a part of my wiring it's not a part of my mindset my mind won't let me stay down I'm just not that person God just blessed me and graced me with that the other side of that so I knew firsthand no I'm I, I'm not giving up like oh man I'm done but then the question took another turn have you given up and just giving it to God. Like how many more years of you putting in maximum effort and not getting the result are you going to go ahead and say, all right, fine. And then that revelation got my attention. I said, time out. When I was trying my best to stay in New York and it just was not happening. I couldn't find an apartment that made sense. I, It just was like, bro, I think like, yeah, this is like all the lights are turning red purposely because they know that I'm on the road. Like, what's up? It was not happening. And when I finally said, okay, you know what? I'm going to just kind of just look to see if there's something in Georgia. That thing went so smoothly, so quickly, it blew my mind. I was like, what? Okay. I mean, I, I guess this is the direction I'm supposed to be going because this is where... I feel led and this is where the ease is at. And so almost felt like Paul, like I'm trying to stay in Asia. And it's like, uh-uh, nope, you know, ah, mm -mm. <laughs> you need to be in Macedonia, sir. I was like, okay. And what I learned, sidebar, just going ahead in this, I learned about the ocean's current. I learned that people do not drown, rebuke in the name of Jesus, because the ocean's current pulls them down. People drown because they try to fight against the current. What I learned is that the current pretty much pulls you up into a certain point and then it releases you. And the people who understand that just lets the current just do what the current was supposed to do. And then once the current goes ahead and lets them go, then they can go ahead and swim back to shore safety E or the above. But the people who try to fight against the current and their body get tired and the muscle and they, and they got anxious and they're tense and they, then that's when they don't have a favorable outcome. And so I have learned that in those moments of, oh, bro, I've tried everything. I don't know what else to do. I almost feel like that's the current saying, can you pay attention to where I'm leading you now? Because I can literally remember me sitting on my bed, just pulling up the laptop like, Georgia, let's just see. I've I said I always wanted to be there since I was 14 and came down for the Olympics in 96. So I'm like, yo, let's just see, like, you know, kind of like what's good. And it was so easy. Then I thought about the journey to my husband. The fact that I literally said, after a while, God, I'm, I'm done. 
Like, it's just going to be you and I. Like, I don't really, I'm I'm not interested. It ain't nothing out here in these streets anyway. And I don't feel like getting in trouble for sinning. So, like, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and, um, yep, let's pack it up, boys. <laughs> I'm done. But one of the last things that I said to God is, I'm giving you my heart. And I'm trusting only, I'm giving this entire thing to you. And I'm giving you the burden of giving my heart to the person that you trust with it. But until that time, shop is closed. Do you know my husband came within months of that? I'm like, sir, all these months of trying to date and getting frustrated and wondering why people don't brush their tongue good. And that's between me and the Lord. And just trying to figure out what is going on. On. Like, I gotta wait for the next species to drop because this is ridiculous. You mean to tell me at the moment of just letting the current take me where it takes me, then that's where I meet what God has for me? Then I thought back to, yo, I remember when I released the merch line to create it to multiply.com. Uh, I was frustrated the first few weeks. I'm not gonna hold you. I'm gonna be real transparent because I'm like, yo. I'm not about to be out here in these streets embarrassed. <laughs> no, we not. I rebuke in the name of Jesus. We not doing no, oh, you know, my first venture flop. It ain't no flop unless we talking about pancakes. Like, I'm not with it. This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I was getting frustrated because I'm like, yo, if people care about me, they should be sharing the site and doing some other things. When I was doing, when I stepped out on any venture that I was like, honestly, I would have never done this, but I felt led to do this. And then I didn't see the seed and the fruit immediately of feeling led to be be there. I was having so many conversations with my husband. God bless him for even having the ear to hear me once again, speak about something in a different way. But he was just like, listen, just giving me the real of it. Like, yo, I, I, God is going to honor the fact that you stepped out on obedience. God is going to honor that you're trying to, you have a desire in your heart. So I was just like, where do I put this high achievement that's in me, this need for results, this need for progress, this need to work toward things without having it, that it feels like my own personal torment. Like I can't continue to feel that way. And then immediately of me feeling that way and really having a real like God, you know, what I'm not gonna hold you I give up he was like about time I said God what you mean he said I want you to go to Mark 5 and I want you to read about the woman with the issue of blood I said okay he said all right um okay I read in the NLT version because I don't want to get in trouble mm -hmm. and I want you to go ahead and uh start at let's see mm, uh verse 24 Jesus went with him Talking about Jairus going to go ahead and see his daughter. Matter of fact, let's go to 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. 22. Then the leader of the local synagogue, who named was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. 23. Pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. He said, please come and lay your hands on her heal her so she can live 24 Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him 25 a woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding 26 she has suffered a great deal for many doctors and over the years she has spent everything she had to pay them but she had gotten no better in fact she had gotten worse 27 
She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through a crowd and touched his robe. 28, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 29, immediately the bleeding stopped, and so she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. 30, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out for him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? 31, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? 32, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You know what I read when I read that? She gave up. She gave up. Unfortunately, in human nature, we give up when all the tangible uh, items on earth kind of diminish. When we have exasperated all of our money, all of our energy, all of our networking, all of our E or the above, then that's when we take this Selah. All right, God, I don't know. I guess it's on you now. Because literally, uh, I, tw- verse 25 says, a woman in the crowd had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them. But she hadn't gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Okay, so how many years, how much money? Okay, so I guess after like six months, you're like, yeah, I guess I got to get a second opinion again. I don't really know if you've got the name of Jesus. Let's just see. And then like around year two or three, you're like, dang, this is crazy. But like after five years, after like, yo, this has been a decade. After like, like I honestly would like to have seen if she had more money, would she would it have been the woman with the issue of blood for 22 years? Like sometimes God has to get you to a breaking point to be like, okay, bro. <laughs> Cause you know what? If such and such keeps answering their phone, you're never going to come to me. If the job keeps going ahead and giving you raises, you're never going to go ahead and sew it the way that I want you to. If you keep on getting people to go ahead and go out on dates on you, you're never going to sit down so I can position you for the person and the spouse you're supposed to be with. If you keep doing E, then I can't get you eventually to my perfect plan. And so God probably literally had to just watch her in agony. And as a parent, I can't imagine how God is looking down at her for 12 years. Like, oh my gosh, if she did. Okay. All right. I got to watch this for another seven years. I got to watch this for another six years. I got to watch. Okay. You know what? We can really draw this bank account because at this point, like what, what's going to stop her? The only thing that is driving her, which was the ability to pay the doctors in the first place. But how many doctor's fees? How many your insurances didn't cover? How many more years? How many more? Actually, I didn't see that particular thing there the last two years. How come this thing is like now she's developing different kind of ailments that goes along with that to make it worse. And it's like, what if she would have done first what she did last? What if with money in her pocket, years and time on her side, 
when she got the first few reports, I'm going to let her be human. I'm not going to say first report. The first few reports, she stopped and was like, hmm, yeah, I'm not no doctor. And I got enough money to see this through, to see whatever needs to be done. But I'm not even going to spend my time that way. I'm going to go ahead and submit this thing to, to God immediately. And you know what? For the most part, give her some slack. Jesus probably wasn't on the scene. I get it. But mm, they, you know, you could do something a little bit different. There was some connection to God before Jesus, so no excuse. But I don't want to talk about her because that's somebody's good biblical grandbaby. What is it that God is trying to unfortunately get you to deplete so that you can turn around and come to him to be complete? What is it in you that needs to actually, if you had a button that said on, off, that if you turned it off, then maybe you'll give God a chance to actually do what he wanted to do in the first place. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he's not going to compete with you. Oh, you think that your money's going to heal you? Cool. Go ahead and keep spending it. Oh, you think that buddy is uh, the one that soothes you? I just feel so much better when I'm, oh, okay, then keep making him your comforter. And we got a whole comforter here. <laughs> Actually, he's known as the comforter. You know him, Holy Spirit? Okay, great. Yeah, okay, keep it. But he's not going to compete with what you deem more valuable than him. And sometimes it's so kind of like, you know, sneaky how it gets in there. Because it's almost like, you don't even think that you're thinking that way until you see that everything that you've done didn't yield the thing that you desired most. I was on dating apps and going out to places that I don't even want to be dressing in ways that I'm like, I don't even want. It is too cold to wear this dress. Why I got to wear this dress? Because that's how you get men's attention. Like this is too much. And you know how I went my husband fully clothed? at home doing absolutely me in an introverted way. <laughs> I was completely unequivocally fully me. And at the same time, fully unequivocally believing that God was going to honor my most authentic self. I didn't have to put on I didn't have to put on anything fake. I didn't have to be fake. My husband got me and he married me and he still gets me and he loves me. Because instead of going through yet another heartbreak, yet getting around another selfish person, getting around, I gave my heart to God and he was like, finally, now I can give it to the person that it's meant, but I'm not going to fight you for the person that I have for you. I'm going to preserve him. But uh, you may not want to think you got all the time in the world, but that's a whole nother conversation story for the whole nother day. I ain't going to hold you. But my thing is I had to get that into myself. So when I asked myself, what's the gauge that I need to put my feelings on because I'm high results oriented, blah, blah, blah. I said, I want you to give up faster, but let it mean something different from you. The moment that you start to feel like, all right, so this is what I got to do. They said you got to post on Instagram at this time, and then that's how you go ahead and build a community, and then you got to go ahead and put your money here because, you know, if you don't, then you, you're not going to get the yield and blah, blah, blah. And so you're looking at everybody else's formula trying to get a heart's desire that God lets you have in there. And until you actually see that none of that works all the time, none of that is a 
you know, bulletproof, fireproof way to get to what you want. As soon as you start letting all of that go, then maybe God can go ahead and split the Red Sea for you so that you can walk across. Huh? Yeah, everybody else had to swim across the Red Sea, get a boat across the Red Sea, have all these other forms of trans, trans, you know, portation. The Israelites were the only ones that was like, God, how are you going to do it? He was like, I'm going to split it. Oh, I didn't even factor that in right because it's not your perfect will. It's not your plan. <laughs> I know how to get you there, the time frame that I want you to get there, the way that I want you to get there. And if you would distrust, then I can go ahead. Listen, it took the disciples rowing all night to get into the middle of a storm, to make no progress. The Bible says that Jesus saw from afar that they were in trouble, and so he walked. What took them all night to get to, took Jesus a couple of minutes to walk to. All that effort, rowing, and they in trouble, and there was storms in the winds, and they trying, and you know what, y'all grab another pet, and they doing all the, all of that, and all Jesus had to do was say, peace be still, huh, yeah, don't, don't you start to feel like, hold on, it didn't take all that, no, but the moment that you start to take the paddle, of life, of God's plan for your life and put it in your own hands, then that's when you get those results. That's when you start rowing extra fast and, and with extra force and you're trying to do all the things and God is watching you from afar, seeing that you're in trouble. And it's like, so when are you going to just be like, you know what, God, I need you. Marco, <laughs> in the spirit. Polo. Like, you understand? Like, when are you going to just get to a place faster that you don't have to exert all that energy? You don't have to spend all that money, women with the issue of blood. You don't have to get to the point that it's a decade plus. Now you're going into two decades now. I'm like, yo, what's good? You don't have to get there. Why don't you just give up faster? AKA, give it to him faster. It is what it is. You touched his robe and immediately got a result uh, that you couldn't get by yourself mustering up all your money, all your networking, all that you know for 12 years. Man, what it would have been to go ahead and go to God first and still have that money and time in your account. Like that would have just been like, oh, you mean to tell me I could have done it that way? Yes. So my challenge for you, me, and... uh. All the grandbabies in the world, I, I just feel like at this point, get to a point that when you start to see that you're applying more effort, I need you to give up faster. Because effort in itself is not what yields the outcome. It's the efforts that God wants you to, to impact, to infuse. Because Paul was trying his best. I think the Bible says that he tried to go to Asia two to three times and the Holy Spirit kept stopping him. Thank God that he was wise enough to be like, mm, I don't think we should go there. <laughs> I don't think that we should kind of do that. Because when they tried to go ahead and at another juncture, when, when he was in chains and he was like, I don't think that y'all should go that way. Yeah, they lost way more. They, had to, they literally arrived on that particular island in pieces of the boat. So it's not that God doesn't want you to apply efforts. 
He just doesn't want you applying efforts that he never intended for you to imply in the first place. Because when you apply your efforts in a way that is not aligned to what he has in his perfect will, it literally looks like you spent all your money, you spent all this time, you've exasperated your emotional capacity, your physical capacity to the point that it's just literally now like, you know what, Elijah, just eat this and take a nap because now God got to refuel you because you running from Jezebel because you scared. And you, instead of just asking God, how should I manage this? <laughs> you just like, nope, I'm going to just go this way. And you exasperate not only yourself, but you derail the plan and the calling on your life when you use your efforts in the wrong sequence. Give up faster. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I give up. I've had these desires in my heart of how I want my generation to go after me. I have declared that I am the person that will change the trajectory of my bloodline, that I'm going to just be the the force that's needed in the corporate world, that I'm also going to have my pinky toe and big toe on the other foot in the entrepreneur lane. And I have all these different ways. And I could tell you up until this point, I have tried it all the many ways that I have mustered up in my mortal mind how to go ahead and and bring that to fruition and I finally got it I can't do it I cannot make something successful I cannot make something be exactly the way that God wants it to be I am supposed to be the supporting actress in the chapter of my life that God trusts me to perform in. I'm supposed to show up, give my yes and my amen, and just make sure that I am in position with my purpose. That is it. And for someone who's a planner, for someone who wants to do all the things, for someone that's like, it cannot be that simple. It is. Isn't salvation that simple? If you just confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. It's like, yeah, but am I supposed to pay dues? Am I no, stop complicating things that are supposed to be simplistic, even when it comes down to the details of your life. The Bible says that God, he delights in the details of your life. He delights in your heart's desires. He knows the hairs on your head. As long as you've known yourself, do you know how many hairs are on your head? No. So why don't you just let go? Like, give up. And finally say, God, like the woman with the issue of blood, I tried it my way. Even though it was good natured, she wasn't spending all her money and all her years and all her time doing something that was sinful. She was trying to get healed. And that's the entrapment of it all. You think that you're spending all your time and your energy like this is for a good cause. Yeah, but you're not letting the good God lead you there. You're the one that's driving this. Like if you look around, where is he? Is he even in the passenger seat anymore? Or did you let him out and then kind of like kept driving by yourself because you said, oh, I got it. You said the GPS, right? You said greatness. I got it. Give up. 
Like, let's just go ahead and fast forward through all the other efforts. Like, you're going to do, what, five more years of this? Three more years in that aimless relationship? Two more years at that job that you knew it wasn't for you? Like, how many more years, how much more energy, how much of the tangible thing are you going to continue to spend before you realize, you know what, let me just let God do his thing. So I'm declaring that I give up. From this day forward, I will not use any of my tangible efforts in my with my hands to try to get a God outcome the greatest thing Jesus could have shown me is that even being fully word and fully God and fully human at the same time he did nothing without bringing it to God's hands first when he fed 5,000 men not counting women and children with a boy's lunch of two fish and five loaves, the Bible says is that he looked up to God, said a prayer, broke it, and then distributed it to the people. He did nothing in his own strength. He did nothing with his own hand. That was the perfect depiction of I can do but so much, but in God's hand, this can be multiplied faster and way greater than I could ever do on my own. So I'm going to take my little girl's lunch, my two fish and my five loaves, and I see what it can be in my hand. It could be two sandwiches, okay? (laughs) But in God's hands, with God leading and me just distributing it, I still have a part in it, but I'm not the author and the omega of this. I am not the beginner and the finisher of my life. I'm just here to be obedient and to not lose the salt that he placed on me. Because when I finally arrive to where he has me, I literally want to give a testimony that is as impactful as Tabitha and say, when you truly give your life to God and you trust him with everything, you have the desire, but trust him with the path. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You cannot see further than his word and you cannot see his perfected will for your life on how to actually detail get there. Why don't you just trust him to get you there? Remember when we were younger and everybody did this, I have to believe it. And you held an adult's hand and you closed your eyes as they were walking down the street or crossing the street, whatever. And there was this childlike faith. That I don't have to keep my eyes open or lead you in order for me to get somewhere safe. Why don't we tap back into that? That's why the Bible references that we should have a childlike faith. Why don't we tap back into that and say, you know what? God, I go back to that. I close my eyes. I hold your hand. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. And everything that God is going to do in your life, it has to be that he leads or I'm not going. Period. I give up. (laughs) I promise you, I'm not doing this to myself. Mm -mm. I see success. I want the success. I desire success. God's going to have to do it. God knows what I want. God knows how I desire it. God knows that he said abundance and overflow. He says, remind me of my word. I do very much. Remember when you said you was going to take me to McDonald's? Like the way I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Childlike. (laughs) Very much. You get to that place too. 
Get to that place that you like, yo, I see how the enemy is trying to torment me on the low, trying to make some stuff happen, trying to go ahead and break boundaries and trying to make fruit that was supposed to be, you know, you you were never supposed to be a part of that. But he made you give it a give it verbiage that was never supposed to be a part of part of your mouth either. So what am I saying? I'm saying I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Uh, just because I'm going to be obedient, uh, created to the number two multiply.com is where you're going to find all the awesome stuff that your girl is doing and being obedient in. And outside of that, we just going to let God be God because um, guess what she's doing? She gives up. But um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Mm-hmm. We talk later, okay? Later. <laughs>